started. Okay. So welcome to a reading hour with me, Ashtore, your host from Kindling the Hearthfire. Welcome, welcome. And as I said before, we'll be reading chapter 14 of Jane Austen's Persuasion. And we've just left off where she has found that she won't be seeing Captain Wentworth as much as she thought or feared. And her opinion of him is the same as it was ever. And his opinion of her hasn't changed as much as she feared. So they put be better off than she thought. But she hasn't actually talked about it at all. So it's just presumptions based on the assumptions of other people and her conversations. So let's get started with chapter 14. We have tea while I'm doing this. It's a really good cup of tea. And it's definitely appropriate for this particular reading. Okay, so chapter 14. Though Charles and Mary had remained at Lyme much longer after Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove's going wanted, they were yet the first of the family to be at home again, and as soon as possible after their return to Uppercross, they drove over to the lodge. They had left Louisa beginning to sit up, but her head, though clear, was exceedingly weak, and her nerves susceptible to the highest extreme of tenderness. And though she might be pronounced as to be altogether doing very well, it was still impossible to say when she might be able to bear the removal home. And her father and mother, who must return in time to receive their younger children for the Christmas holidays, had hardly a hope of being allowed to bring her with them. They had been all in lodgings together. Mrs. Musgrove had got Mrs. Harville's children, had got Mrs. Harville's children away as much as she could. Every possible supply from had been furnished to lighten the inconvenience to the Harvilles. While the Harvilles had been wanting to come to dinner every day, and in short, it seemed to have only been a struggle on each side as to which should be most disinterested and hospitable. Mary had her had had her evils, but upon the whole, as was evident by her staying so long, she had found more to suffer. Charles Hayter had been at Lyme oftener than suited her, and when they dined with the Harvilles, there had been only a maid servant to wait. And at at first, Mrs. Harville had given Mrs. Musgrove's precedence, but then she had received so very apology from her on finding out whose daughter she was, and there had been so much going on every day. There had been so many between their lodgings and the Harvilles, and she had got books from the library and changed them so often that the balance had certainly been much in favor of Lyme. She had been taken to Charmouth, too, and she had bathed, and she had gone to church, and there were a great many more people to look at in the church at Lyme than at Uppercross. And all this, joined to the sense of being so very useful, had made a very agreeable fortnight. Anne inquired after Captain Benwick. Mary's face was clouded directly. Charles laughed. Oh, Captain Benwick is very well, I believe. But he is very a very odd young man. I do not know what he would be at. 
we asked him to come home with us for a day or two. Charles undertook to give him some shooting, and he seemed quite delayed. my part, I thought it was all settled. When, behold, on Tuesday night, he made a very awkward sort of excuse. He never shot, and he had been quite misunderstood, and had promised this and had promised that. And the end of it was, I found, that he did not mean to come. I suppose he was afraid of finding it dull. But upon my word, I should have thought we were lively enough at the cottage for such a heartbroken man as Captain Benwick. Now, Mary, you know very well how it really was. It was all your doing, turning to Anne. He fancied that if he went with us, he should find you close by. He fancied everyone to be living in Uppercross, and when he discovered that Lady Russell lived three miles off, his heart failed him, and he had not the courage to continue. That is the fact, upon my honor, Mary. But Mary did not give into it very graciously, whether from not considering Captain Wenwith entitled by birth and situation to be in love with an Elliot, or from not wanting to believe Anne a greater attraction to Uppercross than herself, must be left to be guessed. Anne's goodwill, however, was not to be lessened by what she heard. She boldly acknowledged herself flattered and continued her inquiries. Oh, he talks of you, cried Charles, in such terms, Mary interrupted him. I declare, Charles, I never heard him mention Anne twice all the time I was there. I declare, Anne, he never talks of you at all. No, admitted Charles, I do not know that he ever does, in a general way. But, however, it is a very clear thing he admires you exceedingly. His head is full of some books that he is reading upon your recommendation, and he wants to talk to you about them. He has found out something or other in which one of them, which he thinks, oh, I cannot pretend to remember it, but something very fine. I overheard him telling Henrietta all about it, and then Miss Elliot was spoken of in the highest. Now, Mary, I declare it was so. I heard it myself, and you were in the other room. Elegance, sweetness, beauty. Oh, there was no end of Miss Elliot's charms. And I'm sure, cried Mary warmly, it was very little to his credit if he did. Miss Harville only died last June. Such a heart is very little worth having, is it, Lady Russell? I am sure you will agree with me. I must see Captain Benwick before I decide, said Lady Russell, smiling. And that you are very likely to do so very soon, I can tell you, ma'am, said Charles. Though he had not nerves for coming away with us and setting off soon again towards a formal visit here, he will again afterwards make his way over to Kelnich one day by himself. You may depend on it. I told him the distance and the road, and I told him of the churches being very well worth seeing, or as he was hesitated for these sort of things. And I am sure from his manner that you will have him calling here soon. So, I give you notice, Lady Russell. Any acquaintance of Anne's will always be welcome to me, was Lady Russell's kind answer. Oh, as to being Anne's acquaintance, said Mary, I think he is rather my acquaintance, for I have been seeing him every day this last fortnight. Well, as your joint acquaintance, then, 
I shall be very happy to see Captain Benwick. You will not find anything very agreeable in him, I assure you, ma'am. He is one of the dullest young men that have ever lived. He has walked with me sometimes from one end of the sands to the other without saying a word. He is all a well-bred young man. I am sure you will not like him. There we differ, Mary, said Anne. I think Lady Russell would like him. I think she would be so much pleased with him that she would very soon see no deficiency in his man. So do I, Anne, said Paul. I am sure Lady Russell would like him. He is just Lady Russell's sort. Give him a book and he will read all day long. Yes, that he will, exclaimed Mary tauntingly. He will sit over his book and not know when a person speaks to him or when one drops one's scissors or anything that happens. Do you think Lady Russell would like that? Lady Russell could not help laughing. Upon my word, said she, I should not have supposed that my opinion of any one could have admitted of such difference of conjecture, steady and matter-of-fact as I may call myself. I have really a curiosity to see this person who can give occasion to such directly opposite notions. I wish he may be induced to call here, and when he does, Mary, you may depend upon hearing my opinion, but I am determined not to judge him beforehand. If you will not like him, I will answer for it. Lady Russell began talking of something else. Mary spoke with animation of their, or rather, missing Mr. Elliot so extraordinarily. He is a man, said Lady Russell, whom I have no wish to see, declining to be on cordial terms with the head of his family, has left a very strong impression in his disfavor with me. The decision checked his eagerness and stopped her short in the midst of the Elliot continence. With regard to Captain Wentworth, though Anne hazarded no inquiries, there was a voluntary communication sufficient. His spirits had been greatly recovered lately, as might be expected. As Louisa improved, he had improved, and he was now quite a different creature from what he had been the first week. He had not seen Louisa, and was so extremely fearful of any ill consequence to her from an interview, that he did not press for it at all, and on the contrary seemed to have a plan of going away for a week or ten days, till her head was stronger. He had talked of going down to Plymouth for a week, and wanted to persuade Captain Benwick to go with him. But as Charles maintained to the last, Captain Benwick seemed much more disposed to ride over to Kilmich. There can be no doubt that Lady Russell and Anne were both occasionally thinking of Captain Benwick from this time. Lady Russell could not hear the doorbell without feeling it might be his herald nor could Anne return from any stroll of solitary indulgence to in her father's grounds, or any visit of charity in the village, without wondering whether she might see him or hear of him. Captain Benwith came not, however, 
He was either less disposed for it than Charles had imagined, or he was too shy, and after giving him a week's indulgence, Lady Russell determined him to be unworthy of the interest which he had been beginning to excite. The Musgroves came back to receive their happy boys and girls from school, bringing with them Mrs. Harville's little children to improve the noise of Uppercross and lessen that of Lyme. Henrietta remained with Louisa, but all the rest of the family were again in their usual quarters. Lady Russell and Anne paid their compliments to them once, when Anne could not but feel that Uppercross was already quite alive again, though neither Henrietta nor Louisa nor Charles Hayter nor Captain Wentworth were there. The room presented as strong a contrast as could be wished the last state she has seen it in. Immediately surrounding Mrs. Rose were the little Harvilles, whom she was sedulously, sedulously guarding from the tyranny of the two children from the cottage, expressly arrived to amuse them. On one side was a table occupied by some chattering girls, cutting up silk and gold paper, and on the other were trestles and trays bending under the weight of bronze and cold pies, where riotous boys were holding high ripple, the whole completed by a roaring Christmas fire, which seemed determined to be heard in spite of the noise of the others. Charles and Mary also came in, of course, during their visit, and Mr. Murph Musgrove made a point of paying his respect to Lady Russell, and sat down close to her for ten minutes, talking with a very raised voice, but from the clamor of the children on his knees, generally in vain. It was a fine family piece. Anne, judging from her own temperament, would have deemed such a domestic hurricane a bad restorative of nerves which Louisa's illness must have so greatly shaken. But Mrs. Musgrove, who got Anne near her on purpose to thank her most cordially, again and again, for all the attentions to them, concluded a short recap recapitulation of what she had suffered herself by observing, with a happy glance around the room, that after she had gone through, nothing was so likely to do her good as a little quiet cheerfulness at home. Louisa was now recovering apace. Her mother could not even think of her being able to join the party at home before her brothers and sisters went to school again. The Harvilles had promised to come with her and stay at Uppercross whenever she returned. Captain Wentworth was gone, for the present, to see his brother in Shropshire. I hope I shall remember in future, said Lady Russell, as soon as they were reseated in the carriage, not to call at Uppercross in the Christmas holidays. Everybody has their taste in noises as well as in other matters, and sounds are quite innocuous or most distressing by their sort rather than their quantity. When Lady Russell, not long afterwards, was entering Bath on a wet afternoon and driving through the long course of streets from the old bridge to Camden Place, amidst the dash of other car carriages, 
the heavy rumble of carts and drays, the bawling of newspaper men, men and milkmen, and the ceaseless clink of patents, she made no complaint. No, these were noises which belonged to the winter pleasures. Her spirits rose under their influence, and like Mrs. Musgrove, she was feeling, though not saying, that after being long in the country, nothing would be so good for her as a little quiet cheerfulness. Anne did not share these feelings. She persisted in a very determined, though very silent, disinclination for Bath. Caught the first dim view of the extensive buildings, smoking in rain, without any wish of seeing them better. Felt their progress to the streets to be, however disagreeable, yet too rapid. For who would be glad to see her when she arrived? and looked back with fond regrets to the bustles of Uppercross and the seclusion of Kilnitch. Elizabeth's last letter had communicated a piece of news of some Mr. Elliot was in Bath. He had called in Camden Place, had called a second time, a third, had been pointedly attentive. If Elizabeth and her father did not deceive themselves, had been taking much pains to seek the acquaintance and proclaim the value of the connection, as he had formerly taken pains to shew neglect. This was very wonderful if it were true. And Lady Russell was in a state of very agreeable curiosity and perplexity about Mr. Elliot, already recanting the sentiment she had so lately expressed to Mary, of his being a man whom she had no wish to see. He had a great wish to see him. If she really sought, if he really sought to reconcile himself like a dutiful branch, he must be given for having, he must be forgiven for having dismembered himself from the paternal tree. Moment. So far, so good. Anne was not animated to an equal pitch by the circumstance, but she felt that she would rather see Mr. Elliot again than not which was more than she could say for many other persons in Bath. She was put down in Camden Place, and Lady Russell and Drone Lodgings in Rivers Street. That is the end of chapter 14. And Anne is now in Bath. So I um, want to thank everyone for popping in and staying on for so long, and I hope everyone has a very good evening, and I hope you will, um, I'll be seeing you Thursday evening with my um, trippy Thursday um, with War of the Worlds, the next chapter for that, um, same time, same place, um, both on YouTube, on the podcast, and um, on Facebook Live, and on Patreon. And speaking of Patreon, 
Um, if anyone would like to help the podcast keep going or continue to um, keep this um, going in the near future, um, for only $1 a month, um, you can subscribe to the podcast on Patreon. And as this um, podcast is Patreon, um, the Patreon supported, I believe is the term, um, there are several other things that are going on on Patreon that are only available to Patreon. On the podcast itself, um, there is a video version of the podcast that is available for only for subscribers at for as little as $1 a month. And, um, there are several other, other things that I'm going to be doing in the near future. Um, such as I'm creating an Oracle deck and once again, Patreon, patrons, of $1 a month can have exclusive um, input to the creation and the um, look of said um, oracle deck that I am creating. But for $5 a month, if you want to pay $5 a month, um, you'll not only get all the benefits of the video of the um, podcast and input into the creation of the um, oracle deck, uh, but you will also get a discount on the Oracle deck when it eventually does become available in public. Um, I'm not quite sure what the um, the discount will be at this point because I'm a little further off than maybe uh, six months to a year to um, putting that out there. But for $5 a month, you'll not only help support the podcast, but you'll also earn a discount for the, um, the Oracle deck when it eventually does come out. So, um, please subscribe to me on the podcast on and on YouTube and keep an eye out for us on Facebook as well. Um, we have a page as well as a group. Um, we also have a prayer list group if anyone is interested, um, where people will post, um, things they would like, um, people to bring attention to such as in prayers or lighting a candle and, I take a look at that every once in a while, and I actually have, I light a candle every week on my personal altar and um, keep it lit for good um, 30, 30 minutes and um, look at all the prayer lists on there. And if you're, if you're interested in that, either send me a message on Facebook or look up Kindling the Hearthfire uh, prayer list, and you should be able to find us. Um, so... If you're interested, take a look there, and thank you for popping in this late in the evening. I hope everyone has a good night, sleep well, and I'll be seeing you again on Thursday night around 8 p.m. Oh, and the podcast, I am writing up the podcast because um, it is a scripted podcast. So in the next week, um, I'll be putting up an event where we'll actually be putting together the actual podcast for Lunasaw, which has just passed. So thank you all for popping in and my two listeners on YouTube. Hello, hello, welcome. And I hope um, everyone will um, pop in and view this video. It's going to be on the, face the Facebook page uh, for the podcast. And it's also going to be on the playlists, the nighttime reading playlist on YouTube and on Patreon as well. So see you later. Hope you have a very good evening and, and I hope everybody as well. See you later.